0: Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting his word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Amen. You may be seated. If you're online, thanks for joining us. Uh, Glad that each of you has, has, has made that choice to click. I, I know there's many other things you could be doing with your time, uh, your energy, your talent, um, and, and so I, I appreciate that you've uh, taken a moment. Again, there, there's uh, many moments we get in life where it's, it's decisions, it's forks in the road, and I feel like every time someone tunes in online or, or you, you get in your car and you come to church, you're giving God an opportunity to do something significant. And I'm, tonight, you know, it's, it's Holy Week, We are uh, going to uh, preach really the verses to what we were singing earlier. Uh, But if you have a Bible, turn to Matthew 27. I'm going to want to introduce my family here. I think I do have a picture somewhere. There we go. If you've not met my family here, they are. They're not here in person tonight. Uh, Most of them are in Utah right now. So my wife took them uh, for not to become Mormons. I promise. Uh, it wasn't to run away from me, uh, but they, they actually were in a, this was another kid's photo shoot for um, uh, a kid's clothing line. So that's my wife, Janessa, my oldest, Simeon. He's with the the locks there. He's 13. Uh, Judah there. We're on the beach here. So that's why he has no shirt on. Uh, he's in uh, second, uh, fifth grade. I'm sorry. Uh, Eden is my second grader standing next to Simeon. And then I have Elias. Uh, he's in kindergarten. Selah. She's in JK, and then I'm holding big Tobias, he's three, and then little Gideon, uh, he's seven months old now. So I always have to share a picture or something about my family because, man, that, they're God's greatest testimony in my life. I did not deserve the family, a uh, family at all. <laughs> uh, the way my mind worked, the way I lived my life before Jesus stepped in. And tonight, um, I. We, I don't know about you, if you ever had questions towards God, I, I feel like um, if, the, if there's one thing that i found over the years, one of the, one of the very first sermons that I ever preached in front of a church, that was the title of the sermon. It was questions. And tonight I, we're going to talk about questions because here's the thing about God. He doesn't just, uh, he's not afraid of our questions, but, but he also actually asks questions sometimes himself as well. And tonight we're going to hear, really, I believe, the, the question of every heart, when we, if we boil down life in many ways, the question that Jesus asked on the cross. And so we're going to look at Matthew 27, starting in verse 45. I'm going to read from the NIV translation. It says, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama shabachthani, Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. And immediately they ran uh, and got a sponge. He filled it with wine and vinegar and they put it on a staff and they offered it to Jesus to drink. And the rest said, now, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rock split, and the tombs broke open, and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. and they had come out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection, and they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. And when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that happened, they were terrified. And they exclaimed, "Surely he was the Son of God." These are the last moments of Jesus's life as recorded by Matthew. And and, um, much like your favorite movie, I don't know about you, the favorite uh, TV show. If if a major character dies, usually they have kind of these well thought of words (laughs) that they're giving at the very end. Famous last words, famous moments of of them kind of passing on information or telling someone they love them or looking them in the eye, looking someone in the eye and giving some something memorable. And for Matthew, he's recording this this memorable moment of what Jesus cried out on the cross. And tonight we're going to look at this this question, this cry of his heart, because I feel in in many ways um, this is important last words. The reason why Jesus's last words are important isn't just because he's dying. It's also because he is Jesus is God's first word to us. If there was one thing that God wanted to communicate to all of humanity is that God has decided before that we had took a breath before we, we had a problem in our life. Before we, we we decided that we wanted to live a different lifestyle or a way of living or wanted to get our way forward in life before anything happened in any of our uh, spheres that you know what he was going to speak his word. John one put it like this in the beginning was the word. So, so John frames everything about Jesus with it was all about Jesus was God's first word to us. And even though we're looking tonight at God, Jesus's last words, we have to understand that God's first word to us is Jesus. It's his life. It's his, his ministry. It's, it's how he led his life. It's how he spoke to people. It's how he treated people. He becomes the ultimate word that God has for us. And so tonight, it, it, we, we start there. And it, let's look, though, at what Jesus said in verse 46. Um, it says at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lama Shabbatani. And, and I love how Matthew, he just breaks it down. Into both languages. He's, he's writing this in Greek, but he, he went into the, the Aramaic and into uh, the, the kind of heart language of Jesus' cry on the cross. And then he breaks it down into his, his vernacular of the rest of the book, which was Greek. And he, he goes even deeper and makes sure that we hear what Jesus is saying and understand it. And he cries out on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I, I don't know about you guys. Um, when I hear Jesus' words and this cry, he's taking his last breaths. He's crying out to God, Why, why? Do you know what I hear? I hear that this is personal. This isn't just a God who's far away thinking about our, our our situations, not knowing what we're going through. But we have a Jesus here who is having a deeply personal moment with the father. Let's, let me let me back up to this point. Why is he even on the cross? Jesus had lived this sinless life. He was the word to us. And God had sent Jesus to come and to live a perfect life. History had, 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 had made a mess of, of, with sin and chaos and rebellion. And, and uh, to this point, God, the Bible said, in the fullness of time, the, the time finally on, on God's watch. By the way, his watch is not broken, right? right. No, it feels like it. It feels like, man, what, 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 what time is he on? Doesn't God know his service is 7 o'clock? You're going to send a storm right now? What, what, what kind of time is God on? And the Bible says in the fullness of time he sends Jesus. In the fullness of time, he sends this, this, this great son of God and he lives a perfect life. 30 years, he obeys his parents. He, he follows instructions and, and follows the Jewish law to a, to a T. Every day, a landmine, so to speak, he could step in. It, it, just one sin, one attitude, one, one uh, false word. He couldn't be the savior of the world. He makes it all the way through the gauntlet. 30 years, rejecting temptation. 30 years keeping a connection with the father who he had known from all eternity past before he stepped into history. And 30 years starts the ministry It begins after his baptism of three years of ministry. in, in, in a place that that none of us probably would have picked the Middle East. And he goes and he, li- he begins his ministry and he does signs and wonders. He heals people. He raises people from the dead. He, he, he does miraculous things with fishes and loaves. I think of it like Bojangles and, and, you know, just some some good fried chicken or something. I mean, he took a kid's lunch and just fed thousands. I mean, he's doing things that no one could believe. And in the middle of all of this, the middle of all this, the height of his fame, the height of his recognition, we're talking about give him all the glory. He gives it all up on the cross. He sacrifices everything and he gives up his whole life to freely die which seems like the ultimate interruption. It seems like the ultimate head scratcher. At this point, the reason the sky is dark and and, and for Jesus, everything is is looking doom and gloom. All of his disciples have left him. They've all rejected him. They've all stepped away. You know, he says, uh, again, not only is Jesus's cry personal, it's so personal. Everyone has left him. So much so he uses the word forsaken. The word forsaken here means literally to turn your back on. Everybody had turned their back on him. And the last one to turn their back on him was the father in heaven. You ever been abandoned? You ever had a moment in your life where, where you feel like someone or something completely left your life? How about you? I've, I've, I've been in that space often. Moments I did not want to be there that I I found myself there. And again, Jesus cries personal because he's crying out to the father and he's experiencing that feeling on that moment. You say, why is he experiencing it? Because Jesus in that moment is taking on the sins of humanity. Jesus in that moment, he is completely the son of God. But the father has to turn away for the first time in history, for the first time of all eternity. The father and the son had a separation in their relationship. See, most people think what killed Jesus was, was, man, getting beat and and, uh, nails in his hands. What killed Jesus was he had never been separated from the father, never been separated. And in this moment, he's experiencing that. He's crying out, why are you forsaking me? You see, I've found that Jesus's last words are usually our first words. I don't know anybody's testimony. I don't know about you. I could go and, and link into how I came to Christ. But anybody that I've heard that has shared a story, how they uh, became born again, how they entered into the kingdom. Nobody got to the kingdom through happy and good times. Nobody got to the kingdom and it started. I want to serve God. I'm going to give God my whole life. I'm going to give, he's worthy of it all. You know, usually it's not while everything is going great. It's usually in the midst of a great pit. A great darkness. And again, Jesus is on the cross. He's crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he knows humanity has been crying that out since the day that Adam and Eve sinned. You see, if you're sitting in here tonight, it's, it's probably because you you love God. You want to grow in God. You want to grow better. Guess what? There are thousands of people all around you who will not be here Sunday. They will not be in any church on Sunday. There are people who work with you. There are people in your family who are not even thinking about getting dressed up at all this weekend. And here's, though, if they were to be honest, the thing that if they could get God in a corner, get God right there face to face, they would say, why did you do this to me? I've been ministering on college campuses almost two decades now because my life was transformed as a, a second year student at MTSU. And, and thankfully, God sent some people from this church, actually, to go and start a church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And those families be- believed God. It was it, it was it was not easy work, I'm sure, trying to reach out to students and young people who who could give the time of day to something else other than God. But yet they stepped into my life. Thank God. And I heard the gospel and I realized that, you know what, uh, the, 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 the issues of my soul, Jesus wanted to solve them. The questions of my heart, he wanted to solve them. But what I found is working with college students all these years, this is the number one question why? So, why do you serve God? Why, why do you not believe in God? Why do you struggle with doubts and not sure if God is real or not? Well, well, why did he fill in the blank? You see, I found that we feel the most abandoned by God in death, in sickness, in divorce, in uh, calamity. In, in moments where we, 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 it literally feels like God has turned his back on us. And again, Jesus has this personal cry and it's directed straight to God because he's feeling the, what, exactly what each of us has felt. That deep heart question, something is wrong. Jesus is dying an a, a, uh, unjust death for being righteous. But there's something powerful happening he's doing in our place, because here's the second thing. Not only was Jesus cry. um, Sorry, not only was Jesus cry uh, personal, it was also purposeful. I love what C.S. Lewis said in the problem of pain. Uh, He said that God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. You know, when I talk to people, or especially students, and we're talking about this whole issue of why did God let bad things happen to good people? Before I start talking about it happened to Jesus, I always say, hey, listen, what if the reason and, and why did God let this happen is so that you could actually ask the question of where are you, God, in this? What if God actually used pain What if he actually uses the things that have been the the, went the worst in our life, in our world, and he's actually bending it towards his grander purpose and and beautiful purpose? What if we have a God who's so big that most times when I'm talking to a student, I say, what if he just wanted you to ask that question? To draw you nearer to him. And this is this is what we have to understand is the power of purpose That God has designed this world to function in a particular way. He's designed each one of our lives to function in a particular way. And he's designed us with purpose. And he even has a place in his kingdom for the pain to be used for his purpose. Most commentaries that I read on this passage um, point out a pretty important fact. Uh, Jesus' Bible was not the New Testament. He just had the Old Testament. As a, as a good Jewish boy, he would have memorized a lot of the Old Testament, could say it verbatim. And so most scholars, they, they point out the fact that this verse, this, this sorry, this verse of what Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, is actually an Old Testament verse. And if you, if you have a second, turn to, to Psalm 22 in your Bible. Do a quick Bible flashback. Psalm 22, we're going to read verse 1. And, and you tell me, uh, what, what, what does this sound like here? Psalm 22, verse 1, says this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? This is the psalmist David, but it sounded like somebody else that I know. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you're enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried out and they were saved. In you, they trusted and they were not put to shame, but I'm a worm. I'm not a man. I'm scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me, they mock me. They hurl insults. They shake their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's birth, breast. From birth, I was cast on you. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near and there's no one to help. I could keep going on. This, this psalm really, all of the, the pointing, so to speak, if, there, if this thing casts a shadow kind of forward, you know, and like I'm standing up here in lights and it cast a shadow, it, it, the, the, the scriptures here cast a shadow that reaches all the way forward to Jesus here. Because what Jesus would have been doing on the cross is quoting a verse, but people there would have known, the Jewish people there would have known the rest of the verse. And if you keep reading, and I encourage you to go read it at home, it, it's, it's almost to a T describing this great Messiah, describing this great Jesus. And here's the thing. There's a, there's a purposefulness in Jesus's cry because he, he didn't say, how or how he said? there? All right. Uh, it says that at that moment, apologize for those online that that couldn't hear. Uh, the Bible says that in verse 50 at the moment when Jesus gave up his spirit, it says that at that moment, the temple was torn. It said at that moment, earthquakes started shaking. It said at that moment, uh, there's, there's a centurion watching all of this. And he literally says, man, this guy is the son of God. You see, this, these three things, I'll say, are, should be present this weekend. All these three things are present when Jesus is, is, is giving up his spirit, and these are the things we should actually expect to happen in our life. It's because when he's crying out to God, when God ultimately answers the prayer, this is the why. The first thing is that the, the temple was torn. Again, uh, don't have time to go into it all. There was a temple. Uh, Pastor Dave was talking a little bit about it earlier in the exhortation. It, it, we, we don't have a, a uh, our building is too small. In fact, our whole land here is too small of what we're talking about the temple. We're talking 33 acres of space here. This was a massive uh, structure. And yet, in just a part, a small part of it was, was one designation where the presence of God was supposed to be. where where God could meet with people once a year and only one person out of all the nation of Israel and all the world, really. And so they had a curtain in front of it. The curtain represented that you you were separated from God, that no one could walk into God's presence. But as soon as it was torn from top to bottom, so man didn't do it, turn it from the bottom up. It was from top to bottom. Now, not only do we have access in, but God's presence now has access into us, into the world. There's something powerful that's released when Jesus takes his last breath is now access to God is available to everyone, not just to one person born in the right family, uh, from the right lineage from generations past. It is to all of us now access to the presence of God. So the temple torn, uh, the the curtain torn. The second one was that tombs were open. Now, now hear me. It, it, it's pretty clear here. Sometimes people skip over it. It's not like, uh, Zombies started walking out of tombs now and started, you know, fee five fo fum I think a thriller now, Michael Jackson kind of. Uh, that's not what happened. But it said that after Jesus was resurrected, three days later, these tombs that were open, people started walking. Oh, man, <laughs> whoo, what y'all doing out here? What was bright? That was not the time to have real estate near the, near the cemetery. And these bodies of holy people walking around Jerusalem. By the way, there's crowds, so, you know, it's, it's, it's not completely weird, but it's, they're at a good time showing up. Tombs were open. The curtain was torn. And last thing, the lost were saved. I mean, think about the centurion. He, his job every day was to see people killed and tortured. He's standing on watch. This is de- another day, another person to die. Another criminal at the hands of the Roman authorities getting to pay the price in front of everybody. We're going to embarrass them. We're going to we're going to literally come up with a way to kill them in the worst possible way. And we're going to shame everyone and and strip them naked. This is going to be the worst death. And he's watching this man die. And he goes, man, there's something different about how he's dying." And then he feels the difference as the earthquake is happening. And he sees the the way he cries out. He's not crying out for his dad. He's not crying out for his mom. He's not crying. But all he did was talk to God, said, my God, my God, why? And he gave up his spirit. The other two guys, they had to go and help them to die. Jesus gave it up. And he looks at all of this and he says, he must be. Not the son of man, he's the son of God. I'm telling you, when Jesus's cry becomes powerful, the the, 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 the thing that's been separating people from God's presence gets torn. The dead come out of their tombs and the lost get saved. That's what's gonna happen in this room. We're going to take the next couple moments to pray. Number one, if you're sitting in here tonight, if you're watching online and you have been separated, alienated from God, maybe again, it's this why question. Maybe it's, it's again, there's some pain or, or you just feel there's a wall between you and God. I I'm, I'm here tonight to tell you that Jesus Christ has already died so that you can now go in. Jesus Christ has already died so that now God can come into your life. Jesus Christ has already died so that you can now step into the true answer for that answer of why. The answer is Jesus. You say, why? Why have I felt forsaken? Why have I felt abandoned in my life? Why am I going to so that you can come face to face with this Jesus? And so I want to say I'm going to say a prayer in a moment for those of you who need to get right with God. I don't care if it's one. I don't care if it's all of you in here. If you need to get right with God, we're going to pray and God's going to enter in. Enter into your situation. The second group of people I want to pray for is those that are going to be sitting to your right and your left this weekend. Maybe it's Friday night, maybe it's Sunday morning. But these three things, I believe that's what God wants to have happen. All all of our services, all the things that we do, the experience even. People are going to get saved to the experience. We're going to share the gospel. Kids and adults. Why? Because Jesus is, he, he's no longer dead, he's alive, but his death did something powerful. It did something earth shattering. It did something transformative. And it's for every person. It's for every person. Let's, let's pray, guys, as we close tonight. Jesus, we just thank you right now that you're here, you're available. Thank you, Lord, whether someone's watching online or whether they're here in the sanctuary, Lord, you're a speaking God. You know exactly what to say to every person. And Lord, even now, I I remember sitting in a seat, Lord, and you spoke to me. You're not right with me and you know it. Changed my life forever to hear God speak, to recognize my sinfulness, to recognize how i had been running away from God, trying to cover up with fig leaves, but it wasn't working. But yet on the cross, I look at you, Jesus, and, and you didn't cover up anything. You, you, you died fully out in public in front of the world to see. Just so I could be covered. Just for my friends to be covered. You know, if you're, if you're here tonight and you're watching online or you're in the sanctuary, you say, you know what, I need to get right with God tonight. There's been a wall between me and God. I, I haven't had his presence. I've, I've not known him. I know religious stuff. I know I'm supposed to say things, do things. But, but I don't know Jesus. I don't know this God. I don't have the peace that surpasses understanding. I, I'm missing something and I know it's God. If that's you, I, I want to pray for you. I want you to raise your hand right now because I want to say a prayer for you because I believe God wants to save you. If you're online, you could put something in the chat. You could say, man, I need prayer. Pray for me, please. Because I'm going to say a prayer right now and it, it could change everything for you. Anyone tonight need to put their faith in Christ. Don't come all this way and not receive what God wants to give you, which is himself. Lord, I thank you for those that may be online and may be watching this later, those with their hands up. Lord, I thank you that you are a good God who at their worst, you gave your best on the cross. Lord, at all of Uh, All of his disciples deserting him, everyone around him, mocking him, taunting him. Lord, he was offering up his life. What a savior we have. What a friend we have in Jesus. Father, I'm praying right now that you would you would step into every home, every every heart. Lord, that knows that they're not right with you and you would cause the simple turn of them coming to face to face with the fact that they're loved by you. You didn't do it out of spite. You did it out of love. And Lord, because of your great love, Lord, you're covering over their sins. You're providing a way for them to be forgiven. Lord, I pray even now, those that are not right with you, Lord, they would just surrender. You know, if if you you have that in your heart, just just say this simply, Lord, I I surrender. I stop running. I'm turning to you. Turning away from the sin in my life. I'm turning away from living for myself. And Lord, help me now. I want to live for you. I want to be yours I don't want to live for for any part of creation and not live for the Creator teach me show me Lord how to live send me the right people to help me to live better and make me more like you in Jesus name second group of people I want to pray for tonight is uh, again those who are gonna be sitting in this room this weekend you're praying for yourself, yes, but right now is a moment to step outside of yourself. To say, man, who, who's in a tomb right now? Who do I know is in a dead-end space? Who's at work with me? Who lives next to me? Who, who, who goes to school with me? Who, who do I need to pray for right now that I need to invite into this room this weekend, onto this campus on a Saturday for experience? Who, who can I have experienced this power from God. Because I believe God wants to use each one of us. This is not about filling up a room just to fill it up. This is about we're trying to bring people face to face with this Jesus who died for them on a cross. So let's take a moment right now. Let's pray for these that God is putting on our heart. I, I believe even now God is going to put people in your mind, even if you're online. There's people you're supposed to invite. Maybe you can't join us this weekend, but man, online you can send a link. You can send an invite. You can send a text. You can say, God, God, will you do something on the other end of this prayer? Will you speak to someone? Will you speak to my coworker, my friend, my family member? Will you have your way in their heart? Lord, we thank you right now for these that you're putting on our heart, faces we're seeing, people we need to reach out to, people we haven't talked to in a while, people we've been avoiding talking to, been afraid maybe to say something at work or at school, Lord, thank you that you're going to have us push through fear. Why? For love. You were forsaken so that we could be accepted. Lord, and, and likewise, there are people that right now they feel forsaken by God, but Lord, you've accepted them already. Hallelujah. They're already accepted in Christ. They just don't know Christ yet. So Lord, will you, will you uh, give us real opportunities over these next few days? With our neighbors, with our, our friends, our coworkers, our family members, strangers even that we, we come across. Lord, not just inviting them to an event. Lord, we want to invite them to you. We want to see them put their hand in Jesus' hand. Lord, thank you for your powerful cry, your purposeful cry, and for your personal cry tonight. Oh, let that be the cry of our hearts to see that cry answered. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Thank you, Dr. Delvin Pike for that great word. Great word. A messianic psalm. You know, Jesus up on that cross, when he says those words, those Jews who knew that psalm and had been singing it all their lives, it started spilling out to them all the truths in it, and they saw his garments being divided, which was mentioned in the psalm. Go back and read it like he asked you to do. It is full of references to what is happening around the cross. As you move towards the Easter weekend, you know, it's so easy for these things to just come and go and for us to treat them like other days, but, you know, tomorrow is the Last Supper. Friday is the day our Lord dies. Saturday is silent Saturday where he's in the tomb and the disciples are wondering what just happened. And Sunday splits time in two. It just splits it in two. And we have a great day to celebrate on Sunday, don't we? This really is the high point and the culmination of our existence in Jesus Christ, the resurrection. And if we don't believe in that, well, we're the most miserable of human beings, (laughs) right? Because what are we doing? What is all of this about? But it is the greatest hope possible, resurrection to eternal life. Um, I do hope you listen to, to Pastor Delvin's Uh, urgent plea. I had names come to my mind. One of them I was just speaking with yesterday. I kicked myself as I walked away. Here's a man uh, who in his only time with his sons, a divorced situation, is drunk as a skunk. Uh, And they're playing a game and he is too drunk to play. And I'm talking with him and I let the moment slip. And afterwards, I was thinking, I should go back, but then I felt too awkward. So I'm praying for the Lord to give me a chance with that neighbor again. Here's a man who desperately needs the Lord, who doesn't really have hope right now. He's drinking himself into the land of numb, even in his only moment with his boys. And there are people like that dotting every corner of this town. Uh, They need the Lord. It's not just a thing we're saying they need the Lord, but you know that. You pray, we're praying, I have every confident hope many people's eternity is going to be changed this weekend. Are you hoping with me? Believing with me? Praying with me? Oh, it's going to be a good day, I'm telling you. Sunday is going to be a stinking good day. You don't want to miss it, you don't want to miss it, because God is going to do something. It's not just an event, it's God doing something, and we're excited about that. If you normally come to 11 o'clock hour, we ask you to come at 7.30, unless you have a guest coming with you, and that's their best hour, and come whenever their best hour is, and we are going to squeeze in every living place we can. Would you stand with me? Lord, we thank you for this chance to worship together with you, to hear your word proclaimed over us, to hear your spoken word in our heart, your spirit speaking a living word to us in this moment. Would you sink it into our hearts? Would you give us the conviction and courage to follow through with it? And Lord, we ask that no matter what comes in our life, we would commit our spirits to you as well, both living and in dying. May we commit our spirits into your hand because you are sovereign.